Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Birdie. How's it going? And Forty. Bonacera. And Ham. Yep. And your host Hamish here to wrap up uh, on what is the episode 101, um, straight on to the next century. The fundamentals uh, episode. Uh, reviewing the Eels against Penrith clash, the Battle of the West, which lived up to all the pre-built hype, and then looking at some news, and then on to the game preview for next week. And we might even have a look at some of the other results over the weekend. Um, so to start us off, Eels 16, Penrith 10. How did you guys see it? I saw it very well. <laughs> uh, what was your take on the game, man? The, the eyesight uh, certainly was working. Um, for 60 minutes, I just did not like it one bit. And then for six minutes, I loved it. And then for 10 minutes, I was okay with it. And then for one second, I was ecstatic. <laughs> Is that all right? <laughs> That's a nice little timeline of um, of fan reactions there. Um, yeah, that, that was a cracking game, wasn't it? It was, you know, as we said, lived up the billing of the battle in the West. Two teams really trying to establish premiership credentials and either team really came out of that looking bad by any means. Um, yeah, so Parramatta were able to absorb pressure. Um, I think that against someone like the Roosters, we probably can't afford to give them the opportunities that we afforded Penrith at times. But in saying that, it was really encouraging to uh, see Parramatta rally at that uh, crucial 60th minute mark, which is, funnily enough, the that point last year in round three where the Roosters took the game away from us you know, in that final quarter of play. So to see us be able to do the same against another good team was awesome. Yeah, I don't like how we, early in the game, we just – Threw the ball away. Was, yeah, um, yeah, we, we definitely – I don't know if we were frustrated by Penrith or we were just guilty of getting into our own head, but we definitely played sideways before we'd earned the right to go forwards. So that um, that attributed to us throwing the ball away like you're talking, Ham, and it certainly dug the hole that we didn't need to be in for a good part of that game. Yeah, because I thought we'd had the upper hand until um, Junior threw that offload, which just went to no one eventually leading to Cleary picking it up. thought from – you know, before that, we could have scored a couple of times there and then mm-hmm. – from then on, that's when, um, yeah, Penrith just sort of seemed to get over the top of us. I didn't understand all that, oh, Penrith forwards look fitter and better and all that sort of stuff because, you know, while that was happening, it wasn't, you know, 20 nil or 30 well, Exactly. That the, the commentary team were really trying to hammer, the, hammer home the fact that Paramount hadn't scored any points for a good portion of the game, but it was like Penrith had it all the running but only could score 10 points. So, yeah. you know, that there's a credit to Paramount's defense there as much as it is to, to Paramount not scoring an offense. So that was a little bit, you know, weird as a commentary thing, but that's a that's a Vossieism, isn't it? Uh, Did we want to talk about those defensive, um, for want of a better term, lapses? Because the two tries that Penrith scored were, you know, if, if you're going to let in tries, you'd want them over where they were scored on the very right. outside. The and first one, one being off a pass, uh, pass from uh, Caleb Aikens that I think was meant to go to the centre and Sibo read it well, but uh, Aikens wasn't having his best game and, and that error just managed to, to turn right for Penrith and um, To'o doing yeah, well to crash over in the corner. And then on the other edge, uh, Ferguson just overreading the situation on one of a – I think that's his first real big area in defence I've seen from him this season. I suppose you could um, – Except for last week, actually, he did something similar. You could try last week, the second Tafua try, but he could have stayed um, on his edge. And it seems like there's a little bit of lack of trust from Blake Ferguson towards Wonga Blake, and it's a bit annoying because if Wonga misses his guy, that's on him. And you just want Blake to keep it to the one-to-one situation because whenever you get those one-to-one looks out wide, you're laughing. That's exactly what you want as a defense. So, yeah, that's twice That's twice now Blake sort of rushed in when he probably could have stayed out. But, you know, it's not the worst. Yeah, I thought that first try, um, 
you know, whilst we let the try in, I thought we handled it pretty like the scramble defense was yeah, good. Yeah, was right there. Dill Dill got stepped, unfortunately, which you don't see too often. But, uh, but besides, you know, there was, was three guys had, or something like that in the picture. Yeah, we had three guys here. Just, you know, maybe but, a little bit more muscle in defense here might have pushed him over the side. And and don't forget that Bank West at this time of year has that grease on it, which allows allows a player to slide in from you know potentially situations that wouldn't score otherwise. Yeah, so. true. Yeah, you know, the the Penrith Panthers are a good team. They they threw a lot at us. I think that they they also show their limitations in a way. They are very predicated on getting the ball to Kikau, and Mitchell Moses did a fantastic job in and reading that. I know he's got five missed tackles to his name, but that doesn't really tell the full story of his defensive efforts. Um, and on top uh, of that, so him you go. I, I was just going to say with Penrith, it looked like us when we just didn't have experience in the team. Yeah. As again, as you said, round three last year against the Roosters, it was a very similar performance where they sort of hung with us, but mm-hmm. then our experience and talent just yep. took took us on and, you know, we scored 16 and points within I'll, three sets. I will say this, that, uh, you know, we're usually fairly derisive of the Penrith and, uh, you know, the five-year memes and whatnot, but that was the most legitimate performance I've seen from Penrith uh, in a while. So that was the first time I've really bought into the talent of their squad being the real deal. And even though they've got their limitations, you can see, you know, the potential there. But uh, the the one thing that really got up my um my crawl was the escorts. Jeez, that was rough. There was so much escorting going on. Um, every single kick and Parramatta didn't every get every single kick didn't get one every single player. Uh, not one call in terms of the mid range bombs went our way. And then on the other side, you had two grubber kicks where we had players taken out and adjudicated that way, and the simbin wasn't used. So Penrith lucky in that regard. Um, although they played very well in other aspects, I thought that the referees really let them off hook there. And that could- yeah, that seems to be the interpretation so far this season. And it was obviously our plan A was to kick to our wingers and then something that we called for last week. Um, but when plan A didn't go uh, to plan, uh, the backup plan seemed to work uh, yeah. attacking that right edge. And, and sometimes um, it, late. it really is as simple as give your centre early ball. You know, Wunga Blake was clearly um, outclassing Stephen Crichton, who was a talented player, but just on the night, Wunga was all over him once he got these opportunities. And yeah, don't don't overthink things sometimes. And Mitchell Moses and Nathan Brown both tapped into that uh, in the comeback, and we saw two rapid-fire tries followed by uh, Maddo crashing over off that um that nice little uh, grubber kick. So that was awesome. I was trying to yeah, think what of- you said, yeah, um, played simple. Nathan Brown leading up to that third try, that run he did right in behind mm, the ruck. Just digging. That, was, that's, what we, that's what we talked about in the podcast, isn't it? Digging in behind the ruck. He is so lethal once he gets any sort of momentum. Yeah, people want to talk about Nathan Brown. I've seen comments about it, how he stunts our attack and all that sort of stuff. But I think he really showed what he brings. That's the second try. It started off his pass to June's. It might have been a bit wayward, um, but it got, got us on the outside there. And then obviously the pass to Wunga Blake was his. And then that big run leading up to the third try, I just, you know, as good as Port Junior has been, as good as RCG has been, as all of our, all of our forwards have been this year, um, I still think Brownie's just our best player. Like, Or maybe not the best player anymore, but our best forward. Just He leads the line of defence. I think now that we do have a better pack of forwards, that um, he can show his aggression and really shoot out of the line of defence and try and put a big hit on it. It will be covered. So, you know, his role is being more defined rather than what it was in 2017. He basically had to do it all, whereas now he can pick his moments. And, um, yeah, I just – I for 12 weeks off, you know, two weeks more than other players, come back fantastically. Yeah, he was he was obviously chomping at the bit. Um, and yeah. he, was probably, he probably had the, um, you know, the sort of 
a little bit too energetic in his first stint, maybe arguably, but that second stint was just perfection. He just came in and tore into the Panthers. And like you said, Ham, he is, you know, right up there for our best player in our team, if not our best forward. And he's also a hugely complimentary piece to our starting forwards. And I think you saw that when the second rotation for our starting forwards, when they came back in in that last quarter, they completely turned the game. And, that, and in saying that, that was probably the weakest game our bench has played this year, which is unfortunate. But, you know, if, that, if that's the baseline where they're going to be, they've been very good otherwise. So you give them that sort of week off and, and forgive that. But we need them pretty big time uh, this week. But that's going to be without Kane, unfortunately. But, yeah, so starting pack was awesome. Um, Sean Lane, again, just goes about does his thing, gets 170 metres or thereabouts. I don't know how he does it. Um, and then going across the other team, we had um, big hits from Reg, big hits from Junior. Um, Stoney laid the wood a couple of times, including a, a big shot on uh, Chorus out at the end, which I saw you praising Hamish. We were talking about this earlier today um, for you know helping close out the game and getting the ball into the hands of Josh Mansour, who had no idea. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know who else really stood out. I know that um, you had a note for Guffer. Hamish, you there? No, well, uh, Hamish was um, one to shout out Quinton Gufferson for that awesome try saver and uh, Viliam Kikau off the kick. Um, and also he made a tackle on Kennedy um, <clears throat> and backed up to save a line dropout or save the ball for a line dropout in the same set. So Guff, I mean, it's just a typical Guffo effort for them, for him in that regard, just always around the ball. They're, they're all effort areas. Really. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's something that, you know, people like to meme on Gufferson about, you know, not being a top fullback. But you won't find – there'll be other fullbacks that can do it as far as Teddy and whatnot. But, there's, uh, you know, he is at the very top of those effort areas and is always backing up. And, you know, that's why he was there for that second try, you know, flying through on, on Wonga Bikes inside to take that offload. So the guy is an absolute machine for us. And, you know, you, certainly there are better fullbacks in the competition, but he, I think, is representative of what Brad Arthur wants as a coach. And I think that's a big part of the, you know, of this team's identity. Oh, 100%. And just going back there, Forty, um, you mentioned the big hits from, obviously, Campbell Gillard on Fisher-Harris, uh, Junes on Aikens and Raystone on um, Mansour and... The bench prop for Penrith, who na- whose name Leo is Ta- right now. Oh, Leo Moses Ta- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dylan Brown, but you know he, do- he doesn't put on the big hit, but his defensive technique, you know, they you, they want to talk about bringing the smaller man into the well, game. yeah, and and re- rewarding that sort of tackle as well, isn't it, Ham? Oh, it's just it's really disappointing because that's a textbook tackle. He gets them right around the hips, cuts and he them down, brings them down, wraps Rap- no, both legs up, and yeah, and as soon no as he- wrestle, there's no. But as soon as the play, as soon as the player hits the ground, held, get off him, and then there's a fast play of the ball. But yeah, um, we we actually got a uh, six again called against us because Dill had brought them down one on one. You know, textbook rugby league tackle brings them one on one. Then our forwards come in over the top. Might have been a bit late, but because there was no wrestle in there, he didn't go try and go up top. He just he just thought I'm going to bring him down. We gave away a six again, but you know, I think in that instance that if you want to reward technique and bring the smaller player back into it you've got to do it defensively not with the ball you've got to get technique into it and you've got to you know one-on-one tackles is what smaller guys do better mm-hmm. than your big blokes and i just think it's really disappointing to see in my opinion the best defensive half in the game um penalized for perfect tackling technique. that's that's been a real bugbear of the podcast for a long time isn't it in that you know the game has really gravitated towards that grapple and that wrestle and the moment you have a, a smaller, you know, quote unquote, smaller guy make those textbook rugby league tackles, they're not rewarded for it. And oftentimes it can lead to a, like a sin bin if it's in the wrong situation because you're down by the legs and it has that bad look for the referee. So they've, they've shown a willingness to 
start um, necessitating changes to make the game faster um, and and bring the small guys into the game that way on the offensive side of the ball, I'll be interested to see if they want to do the flip side in defense and reward the smaller guys for being able to tackle the way we you know we've, we've been talking about. Um, I just want to. Sorry, I'm back. Yeah, yeah. Wrapping <laughs> gathos. So. Yeah, we, no, no, no. We, we did. I, I did still have you in my ear. I just had myself on mute because I was um yes. Um, but okay. other than other, other, yeah, no, it wasn't a birdie video in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I I also wanted to. There seemed to be at least a consensus that the first sixty minutes, you know, we were playing awful or something like that. I, I didn't see that to be the case. There were so many times that we went close, um, especially in that first 10 minutes where Moses cutting across was just managed to be tackled by, there, I think it was, was that, that one sequence where Dylan ran it and then Moses ran it in um, back-to-back tackles and they both went so close. Um, yeah, and I, I thought from the 20-minute period, Penrith really got themselves back in the contest and then uh, Cleary's kicking game kept them down in our end and we know possession is key with these new rules. And from that, it flowed those two tries, which, you know, were both scored around the edges of us. So I'm not going to smash the team's defense too much other than Fergo just needs to be a bit more trusting on Yeah, we, we mentioned that. That's all right. Um, um, the other but, I wanted to shout out quickly was Ryan Madison, who had his best game for us in, in the, you know, the season, who was 40-something tackles in defense, scored a try and, and worked relentlessly to the tune of um, uh, 150-something meters um, for that game for us. So he was huge. But also on that second try, you were you were shouting out to uh, to Nathan Brown, but Mitch Moses showing a bit of maturity there gets the, wins the quick play the ball even though he's got a player all over him still manages to get that ball played without you know you think maybe last year or the year before he might be begging for a penalty there, but I don't know if he got a call he's from the, his outside men, but he certainly was alive to a the, uh, spread on the right edge. He's the king of the quick play the ball for us. Two point eight four seconds according to arrow dot com. He was he's, two seconds last week, and I he's think. Been so. consistently, consistently at the top for us. So, yeah, that's a good call, Hamish. Do but, we want to run through the uh, play the ball speeds? <laughs> <laughs> I can if you want, but uh, you well, know they're all there on the, nrl.com. The, the big one here would be Maker, who was at four point two four again. Although I was saying when we discussed this earlier, I think that Maker wasn't actually playing for the penalties this time. He was just unlucky with some of the work that was done to him. Um, but, yes, they certainly. Uh, pulled him out for somebody to give a bit of extra but, treatment to. But, uh, and especially after that early um, contested ball where I don't know what the, where what he was contesting, but <laughs> he certainly went up for it. And uh, I, I think he might have uh, either winded himself or give, uh, hurt himself in some way where he didn't have as much impact on the rest of the game as he usually makers, liked to Maker's lack of impact does segue us nice into a point that is worth raising, that across the first five rounds, while there's been certain players that have been consistently outstanding – and the, the base level of the team's efforts been good. We've seen different Eels step up and win the game for us week after week, which is always an encouraging sign, which means that we know we're not one-trick ponies across the park and we've got the ability to you know, strike from any position in any spot, which is always encouraging. And Regan Campbell-Gillard, absolutely massive, that hit he put on... Uh, uh, yeah, rung, rung lettuce, the fish. I'll rung just say lettuce. <laughs> rung the charis, <laughs> bells, pretty great. Um, but uh, that gentleman's agreement uh, shortly went out the window. <laughs> And um, but I, t- to be honest, I didn't see too much elbows into the face and that sort of stuff, which I think is what he was talking about. Yeah, but no, no I know Yo, Yo didn't miss RCG once or twice, and and RCG certainly didn't miss um, uh, sorry, what is these three letters? James H. Wait, there you are. Because yeah. I'm thinking of Jared Warrior Hargreaves for this week. But, yeah, um, Both start with yeah. J. No, JFH. The other um, statistical quirk I want to shout out was. Um, I thought Reed Money was a little bit scratchy in possession, but in defense he was awesome, 51 tackles, zero missed. And in fact, our entire starting front row, zero missed tackles. 
19 tackles for Reg, 21 tackles for Junior, and obviously that 51 number for Reed. So that was a huge effort in defense from the the starting forwards. And even on the bench, they only missed uh, three tackles total with Raystone, Murata, and Kane all having one apiece and zero miss for Penny. So good effort, guys. Some good stats there. Um, so I just wanted to look now. I, is that enough of a wrap for everybody? We've, uh, t- Birdie, did you want to add some something of your two sets? You didn't get too many words in there? Oh, no, you all covered it. Like, um, the biggest thing was we nullified Kikau and um, James Fisher-Harris. Like, they had no offloads between them, three tackle breaks between them. Like, and if you look at it, like, the week before that, we did a number on Powell and Sirinan. Fanua Blake, towards the end, he broke free, but it seems like every week we're going in and trying to nullify their best, like, um, Yeah, but phase. that's that's something we spoke like, about, wasn't it? It's the Bill Belichick style of um, coaching, taking the opponent's best weapon and taking it out of the game and then forcing them to have to change their, you know, dominant game plans around that. So well done to the Eels. I'll tell you what, though. One thing I could go without hearing ever again is Mitchell Moses versus Nathan Cleary origin talk. There was so much, <laughs> yes. so much of it in the coverage, and I just did not want to hear another iota of it. He's probably got Moses in the TikTok business, but other than that. <laughs> well, is it just me or, like, neither half sort of, you know, they both played really well, I thought, but they were going early just because Penrith were winning. Oh, Nathan Cleary has it on points. Yeah. But uh, they seem to both play about the same to me in this game. Yeah, yeah I think uh, different strengths for each other's game. Obviously, Moses with his running game uh, set up those three tries, uh, but Cleary's pinpoint kicking game was was great as well, and his defensive efforts too. He's, he seemed to get away with a little bit in the ruck, I have to say, especially in that second half. Yeah, we, we worked Cleary over in defense. He missed eight tackles and had a further six in effective, so um, that was from 21 tackles made. So he, he got for a lot of defensive work. But yeah, I think they both played true to who they were. Um, clearly, the um, very like scripted on time halfback that will get your team going through their sets as as you know as a coach wants. But you know, a little bit uh, limited when it comes to playing what's in front of him and and um, what the defense can give him at times. And and Mitchell, who can overplay his hands at times, we saw earlier in the game where he started getting a little bit sideways. Um, but to his credit, he's helping Sutton overcome that hurdle, being able to play off the back foot as um, Brandy and Sterling like to not not criticize him of, but throw them the challenge to him to to overcome, and he did that on from Friday night. <clears throat> and there was there was one one more thing. Oh no, I've forgotten. Oh no, I had one one more little thing I was going to comment on. This is bad. Missed field goal was that a set play? You reckon from Brandy? That, that was a oh, set that play. was a set that play. Was, that was, was beautiful. Awesome. That was really good. Unfortunately, Mitch um, shanked, shanked it to the left. Um, oh, oh dill, dill bags. That might have been in the wrap. The the laying in the ruck to get himself sin-binned. Uh, I know some fantasy <laughs> owners were uh, cursing him for it, but smart play there to give yourself only one tackle to make. And oh. then Stoney making that tackle on Appy in that following oh, play that, who had to the, offload the, the to tackles, Mansour. The tackle is exactly what I was going to talk about because um, that was – I don't know if you guys remember, that was Shades of Hindy's 300th game. The uh, Back at Penrith um, Park it was back then. Uh, the full-time siren had rung and Penrith were down a converted try and they kept the ball alive, hot potato style, across both sides of the park and back and then Michael Jennings puts in a grubber kick that um, sees them score and go to Golden Point and beat us. So it was awesome to get him um, in a similar situation and, and kill the ball and, and get the win there. So, yeah, funny little throwback to a, a game that's nearly 10 years old now. Yes, was it that, uh, was it a game against Penrith, I want to say, in the 20... Was it twenty? 20- 13 where we had Chris Standow at some point and he slotted a field goal at the very end of it. It was like yeah. after 89 minutes or something and they'd had about they'd been training field goals for 20 minutes and it was just absolutely <laughs> disgusting football to watch. Was, I, think, I think that was Luke Kelly's first game. That is on brand for the era 20 uh the, the 2013ish Eels. 
there was another moment, I think it was like when Salvador Sal was playing for Panthers and Bryce Cartwright catches it and they score on the buzzer at the old Paramount Oh, Stadium. mate, I was watching that at the uh, the pub with my brother-in-law who's a Panthers fan and just in dis- they scored a try like two minutes before that as well. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just the buzzer try, it was, yeah, it was, it was a disgusting loss. Um, but yeah, nice to get one back there and uh, couldn't wrap the boys enough and, and smart play there from Dillbags, you know, 19 years old, very That's, smart yeah, between the years. Yeah, you know, and like I said, some people will hate it, but it's the correct play to give away the penalty there. So, you know, you don't see it too often from a young guy, but he's got an old head on those shoulders, Dillbags. Right, well, I think we'll wrap, wrap up the uh, Penrith. Uh, have we got a rematch against Penrith later in the season? I want to say we do. Yes. Yeah, one of the one of our return fixtures is against Panthers. And it may well be at Penrith Stadium, depending if on uh, the relax, relaxation yeah. of COVID-19 uh, restrictions. Uh, but let's get to now where we're quarter, quarter quell, uh, one, one quarter through the season with five games played, the regular season that is, uh, sitting five wins from five, probably the best start we could have hoped for, um, noting that one, the massive break for COVID, but two, uh, since the resumption, um, We've put in three. Uh, I don't know if they're the best performance we've ever put in. Um, certainly the the beat up on the Broncos in the second half was great. Um, but winning games in different ways in the last three weeks, uh, the last two against Manly and Broncos being front runners, but this game coming from behind and winning. Um, so really good uh, outlook so far. Uh, and just some of those key stats, we've been an average of 57% possession. Uh, that'll probably level out closer to 50 throughout the year. Uh, total points scored, 123. Can't knock that over um, five games. You know, what are you averaging there? 25 points a game. Just that, um, yeah. And 20 tries. So 20 divided by five, four tries a game isn't bad hit rate. Uh, and then I'm just looking for some other stats here that were offloads pretty positive. Offloads absolutely killing it. Yeah, yeah, we're well above everybody in offloads. 79. The next best is Penrith on 55. Uh, so we know how we're attacking. And it's it's funny that those two stats are going together, the possession at 57% with the offloading, because usually you drop a couple, but it seems like we're retaining possession well. Uh, all run metres were our second. All run second. Uh, kick return metres second. Don't have too many dummy half scoots. And then... Top five. I can't see completion percentage. But then oh, we're top five, 79%. Yeah, so that's pretty close to 80% is where you want to be at least. And then we're not in the top five for any of the negative plays being errors, ineffective tackles, penalties conceded, or handling errors. So um, all positives there. And funnily enough, Roosters are up in the top five for handling errors at fifth. And they're also up the top in ineffective tackles at third. And then also up there in errors at third as well. (laughs) Um, So hopefully we can make them pay for some of those errors and ineffective tackles this upcoming week. But... This next five games, this is really going to sort us out, especially mm-hmm. the next two games. Yeah, we um, this is really the gauntlet stretch of our um draw, isn't it? We've gone through the first two weeks of it, fighting two good teams in Manly and, and Penrith, and then it just gets you know, what is it? Roosters, uh, Raiders, North uh, is it Knights or North Queensland first? North, North Queensland, Queensland. Knight, Knights. Then the return fixture against Manly, is it? Correct. Yeah, so it's um as as rough as it gets. And um, then the draw definitely opens up there. But there's always trap games. You've got to be careful. But, you know, we've, we've shown a good mental attitude so far. So you'd think we can, you know, win the games that we should win for the most part. Yeah, I think that's a good summation there. So we'll know where we are um, in the next five games. And uh, we're hoping to be still around the top of the table come midpoint. And our draw will get a bit easier towards the uh, middle half of the season. 
Um, all right, well, let's jump into the news then. So first item is uh, you may have noticed the black armband supported by uh, the Eels on Friday night. I have to say I didn't notice them until I watched the replay, uh, but that was uh, in honour of Clint Gutherson's grandfather, Greg, who passed away 36 hours before kickoff. Um, so there's a photo there of Gutho sinking to his knees at the end of the game. Uh, sounds like he was giving a little thanks upstairs. Uh, it was a bottler of a game for Gutho. It sort of reminds me of, for any of, well, for Ham, Ham will remember this game fondly, uh, but the game of Aaron Rodgers after his, uh, not Aaron Rodgers, sorry, um, of the former uh, quarterback for Green Bay. Oh, gosh. Aaron Woods, yeah, for but Yeah, Brett Favre when his father Man, passed away. I heard that. My mind's blanked. Um, it was against the Raiders, yeah, though. Yeah, he that, absolutely pulled the hell out. <laughs> yes, that is a good – that's a good Coram Crowley there. That is a, a famous game for Brett Favre's career, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, no, great from Gutho backing up and uh, really nice of the teammates to come in and uh, also comfort him with the, the black armbands. Uh, so Nathan Brown said, Gutho was outstanding. He's our captain, and it was an emotional game for him. This game was for him and his family. Uh, he was emotional out there at the end, so it was pleasing for the team to back him up. You know, Gutho turns up every week, and he's the type of player who has your back on the field. And I think um, in the nine coverage, that was something some of the accolades Slater was giving to Gutho. Is like, you, he's he's a player that will back you up, and there's somebody that you want in your team. And I don't know if there's a, something uh, better to be said than that about Gutho. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and like what Ham and I were saying earlier, that he really typifies the identity of Brad Arthur's Eels. And um, you couldn't ask for a better player in that regard for your team. So awesome player. Um, great captain. He's growing in that role, which has um, you know, been awesome to see. And it was good to see the boys and himself rally um, and make that win happen on the back of that tragedy for him. And next, you might have noticed it was quickly cut off on the Fox uh, programming, but on the Channel 9 programming, the team uh, forming a circle at the end of the game uh, in support of Black Lives Ma- Black Lives Matters movement and also in support of uh, Indigenous rights in Australia. Uh, so there's a video up on the Eels website from uh, Ferguson. Apparently himself and Mansour uh, got together and uh, put that in play uh, in the week beforehand and um, no, nice scenes from the boys and uh, nice to... Uh, uh, show their support to uh, to the to those two movements, even if there were some um, negative reactions, especially on social media from. We don't worry. You know, the, no, I don't think so at all. You know, um, and if you're seeing all lives matter, you know that's a catch catch cry for all the uh, degenerates out there. I mean, anything else? The, the, yeah. the whole all lives matter thing goes. It goes about saying that all lives matter. Like all lives do matter. So why don't we just worry about starting with the black lives mattering part of it, and, and you know, get it working our way up the chain from there, right? Because <laughs> there's there's shouldn't be an issue with that but apparently there is so but it just feels, it feels like a catch cry for the racist to rally around so there you go yeah it's a nice um shelf uh oh yeah i, 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 love, the, I love seeing that teams. from both teams there that was really cool um and it, it's a shame that it didn't get the coverage from the broadcast that it should have because that's really good like positive front page material on the papers not back page that's front page stuff seeing you know two you know bitter rivals that have just spent 80 minutes belting the shit out of each other like f- smashing each other that was an absolutely brutal game and then they can come together for something that's bigger than the game. So love to see it from both teams. Shame it hasn't, you know, uh, ignited the conversation the way it should have. But you know, at least at least the guys got their hearts and heads in the right place for that. Uh, next item is this round being round six is beanies for brain cancer round in support of the Mark Hughes Foundation. So if you can go out and get yourself a beanie, you can order them online. Uh, you can also, uh, I think, buy them at certain different stores. I think. Um, 
Yes. Uh, best and less, maybe, is, a, is an outlet. Um, but I'll link you to the news article in the show notes. So uh, I'm so sure they've got some outlets where you can buy Lowe's them. and IGA. Uh, IGA, selling. there, yeah. Yeah. So, and IGA offers them online as well as in store if you want to be able to grab one, but you can't get out to a local IGA. So there you go. Yep. So knowing that uh, some people are going through a tougher time than others, uh, support if you can, but understandable if uh, people are sort of strapped at the moment. Uh, next item is the crowds to return from July 1, and the pro- current proposal is to have 25% uh, stadium capacity. So for something like uh, Bank West, you'd be looking at, what, 7,500 mm-hmm. people. And I suppose the priority go to corporate first. So you're looking at, I think we've got a 3,000 corporate capacity. So you're probably looking at like somewhere between um, four to 5,000, depending on how they leverage that corporate. Yeah, so we haven't got confirmation on how they're going to figure that out, whether, again, it'll be a lottery for members on each home uh, game or something like that. Uh, but we'll hopefully get some more confirmation in the next couple of weeks as uh, the restrictions seem to be easing, um, especially in New South Wales. And I can see Canberra's put in a bid to have home games from round nine. Um, but my understanding is the current proposal is uh, we play the games as they are up until I think it's round 10. And then after that, to be confirmed stadiums will become actual stadiums. Um, all right. Well, I think that wraps up news items. Oh, the only other one which had broke just before uh, oh. we start recording was the Isaac Moses statement. Um, so again, we haven't really had time to digest this, uh, but the NRL released a statement in regard to Isaac Moses' player agent. I, I can't remember who's actually under Isaac Moses so well, far. Big names at the moment are uh, John Bateman and Cam Smith. Most most of the Broncos are. Um, uh, but in any event, from the NRL, this will also be linked. Uh, they had to say... Uh, the determination found that Mr. Moses' conduct was in breach of the rules that govern the conduct of NRL player agents. So the NRL has found that Mr. Moses breached his obligations as an accredited agent in 2017 by procuring and assisting one of his clients, Mr. Tim Manor, to give evidence to the NRL that was false and intended to mislead an investigation of the NRL Integrity and Compliance Unit. Um, so we're not quite sure, one, whether Tim did give uh, that evidence or whether it was then recanted or something like that. But, um, you know, just reading the tea leaves that, and, and again, try not to take this out of context, that might be a reason for the sudden departure of Tim uh, last year. But um, that remains to be seen. That's just us sort of uh, trying to read through what might actually have occurred. Um, but in any event, uh, the NRL uh, is allowing Mr Moses the right to apply to appeal the determination. And the cancellation of Mr. Moses' registration will not take effect pending confirmation of any appeal. This means that if leave to appeal is granted, his accreditation will continue and to be recognised until notified by the NRL. So early days in this story, but I'm sure, uh, as is the NRL scheme, things will come to light. And um, there's plenty of journos out there that will be uh, digging. It's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Uh, ever since our salary cap scandal back in 2016, there's been promise of player agents being deregistered and action being taken. And this is the uh, the first real consequences we've seen of a player of a major player agent, you know, facing for their um, their CD actions. So, wait and see if this is just the um the start of getting into the belly of the beast, or if this is um the one player agent that gets reprimanded. Um, I don't know. Yep, definitely sounds uh, like uh, to uh, wait and see uh, what what will happen from here. Um, all right, well, let's run through the other results over the weekend. So I'll just get the draw up, which I probably should have had up, but have since closed. 
Um, so we kicked off on Thursday night with a battle between Broncos and Manly. Uh, Manly fans not so uh, unhappy about a certain 40-20 call uh, that yeah, went their way. A few other calls went their way too in that game. But yeah, Broncos raced out to that 18-point lead and then showed their immaturity across their squad and their inability to close it out and then gave up 20 unanswered points. Anybody else get it? I only turned this on at half time and saw the score. And I Xavier, thought Xavier Coates looked legit on the right wing for the Broncos. He was awesome under the high ball. And um, they really, I think it was Tavita Funa who was on debut for yeah, Manly. Yeah, Tavita was awful. Yeah, he got he got taken to you know to school by another rookie. Um, and they keep throwing out the English comparison for uh, for Coates, which just isn't fair on him. But he is a very um, promising looking player. And um, yeah, he, he'll be one to keep an eye on for the rest of this year because the Broncos haven't got much to celebrate. But his inclusion in the back line is going to be one of the few bright sparks for him, I reckon. What about Darius Boyd, man? Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was robbed. He was robbed. That, that was one of the calls. That was one of the calls that went uh, against them as far as there was another obstruction call that Manly scored off that could have gone the same way because of the Darius Boyd no try. Um, but they gave it to Manly and took the Darius Boyd try away from Brisbane. So yeah, um, Boyd. You know, he um, strolled over for a second try um, in what would have been a, a career performance, I reckon. He, um, he had um, some good involvements there. But yeah, aside from that, uh, the, the Broncos are still a mess. Um, they've got, they had players all over the park, young guys that are just starting to throw into the fire. Katoni Staggs is out for a few weeks now after getting a hamstring injury at training. Um, Milford was invisible. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Brisbane is such an enigma. They should not be as bad as they are, but they are awful. Um, yeah, so... Um, so, yeah, it looks like Hamish has dropped out for a second, so I'll jump. We'll go on to the next game, uh, which was the 6 o'clock slot on Friday. Uh, 6 o'clock slot on Friday is correct, and that was between the Warriors and the Cowboys, and this was this was at um, the Central Coast Stadium for the Warriors' uh, home game, as it were, and uh, we saw the Warriors, in a high-scoring affair, take out the Cowboys 37-26. to 26. So, uh, boys, uh, any comments on that game? It's the Warriors' second win, so they've done very well. But the Cowboys, uh, Valentine Holmes had an ankle injury early in the piece and couldn't push through it. Uh, where where are they at? Are they are we talking uh, kicking them out of the eight now? Like as far as far as a prospect, because they just they oh, seem bottom four team. Like I know you got Tom Alolo, but yeah, they just they lack spark. Is, the, their pack is crap. Like poor poor who's game the next is coasting off that twenty fifteen season. It feels yeah. like they just got no fire. Well, who's who's the, who's the best second best forward? Is it Francis Moller, whatever his name is? Like is that it? Like they've got well. Jordan They've McLean, no I suppose, but he's been very lackluster for him. Yeah. Um, Josh McGuire is another big name that hasn't really performed. They, they said they needed speed this offseason. They've added Valentine Holmes, but like other than that, like besides this youngster who's playing fullback, I still can't say his name. Uh, Hamisa Tabuai Fidel, yeah, yeah. The Hammer. So he's going. They don't scare. They don't scare us at all. Like okay, they're missing Michael Morgan, but I don't think he fixes. Cohen has is a shadow of himself. Like That's it's right. just. Ugly. Um, speaking of. Uh, uh, hammer, the hammer, um, Hamiso uh, to be a Fibel, a Fidel, sorry. Um, <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> uh, no, no, he, he was um, pretty good in debut on the wing. He ended up getting a bit of a run at fullback, and that's going to be extended into the coming weeks. So, much like Xavier Coates for the Broncos, it'll be a, something for you know long suffering Cowboys fans to keep track of while the team sort of peters out. But for the Warriors, um, they were very brave again. Um, and it's been a couple of um, rookies, if you're in fantasy, obviously you know these names, but you've got uh, Jermaine Tanoa Brown. And uh, Ellie Katoa in the forward pack that have been really, really good. Um, but I think it was Nick Arima that had a big game for them on um, on Friday evening, which was a, a real difference maker for them, gave them a bit more direction out of the halves. And um, we saw uh, Peter Hiku let in an absolute coach kill of a try and then turns around and scores a hat trick. So that was a, a funny way for him to redeem himself inside one game. But yeah, good to see the Warriors making the most 
out of a, a pretty ordinary situation. And it's actually led to some interesting conversations I've had recently as far as maybe this has been good for the Warriors as far as it helps regiment their week a lot easier away from, you know, New Zealand. They're just focused on the football here. They don't have to worry about travel. And they just, you know, just banging out game after game because they've been competitive except for the Penrith game. So it was really good. Um, obviously, we took over the Panthers in the, the primetime slot on Friday. So on so- Super Sad Day, you had uh, Raiders, Raiders, Rabbitohs 32 defeat the Titans. Did anyone watch this one? I was. I saw the first 10 minutes and I was like, yeah, this is over. I thought I that like, the scoreboard was probably unkind on the Titans. 32 to 12. Um, Latrell Mitchell had a very funny game. Um, I can't knock him for not getting involved. He had one try and then I think two more try assists, but he had like 60 metres, so um, 60 running metres, that is. So he just a weird, weird stat sheet for Latrell, but he obviously had a huge impact on the game. But the Titans did push the Rabbitohs for a good chunk of that game. They uh, got set up on the try line multiple times, but just couldn't come away with the points. And a lack of composure led to some errors there. But I think that was much like the Warriors. They're actually making a fist of their season. So that's encouraging. Ash Taylor's looked a little bit better in, in back-to-back weeks now. And even Bryce Cartwright's trying. So there you go. Signs of the apocalypse, maybe. Um, as far as the other Super Saturday games, we then went to the uh, New, the Newcastle Knights. Look, I was going to say the Novocastrian Knights, the Newcastle Knights, who hosted the Melbourne Storm, losing 26-12. Um Melbourne Storm were awesome in the first half in this game. Came back to the main a little bit in the second half, which let Newcastle in. A um, couple of controversial calls went uh, Melbourne's way, unsurprisingly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the it was a funny game because you saw the best and worst of both teams in this game. And once again, Newcastle didn't quite have the polish to to mount that comeback fully. And you saw Melbourne Storm manage to snuff out the the spark there. But I think the, the Knights be fairly happy as far as building from there. <clears throat> but... Um, I tell you what, Callum Ponga knows how to butcher an overlap when it's on it when it's on his bad side. His lack of left to right pass has been one of the biggest issues in his game for the last few years, and he hasn't he hasn't worked on it. He's, Is it worse than Guffo's one? Oh, Guffo Guffo can throw left to right, and he he will actually throw the pass. Ponga does not pull the trigger on left to right pass. It's uh, it's crazy. Oh, so um, it's non-existent. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that that's why that's why he killed the four and two overlap when they had a huge chance to come back there. So. Um, yeah, that was awful. I was screaming at the TV. That, I mean, he did the right thing initially. He straightened up, and I was like, yes, he straightened up. He's going to commit the defenders. And then he pulls the trigger on the right foot step instead of passes. Like, oh, my God, he didn't believe in the pass. But um, uh, congrats to Ponga, who just inked the four-year, $4.4 million deal. Um, the Daily Telegraph are calling him the next immortal in the re-signing, um, re-signing article there. So I'm not sure if I agree with that, but he is an exciting young player, and you know, Newcastle's going to build around him. But... It's always scary, man. Those million-dollar contracts. Newcastle's got a few of them up there now, so they're they're, they're built for short-term success of them. But they're going to need to rely on juniors and really savvy recruitment long-term. That's um, a lot of milkshakes. That right is a there, lot baby. of milkshakes, <laughs> baby. Um, Hamish, you want to take us on to the Saturday night primetime game? Yes. Yeah, so West Tigers on Raiders. West six Raiders fourteen. Uh, say that again. Russell, say that again, please. <laughs> <laughs> Played again. Oh, Sam. Russell Packer with a night to forget. The, the greatest return, the first grade I've ever seen. Man of the match for the Raiders. And did you enjoy it, Birdie? You're frothing. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Ah, oh, you know what? Like I've had some great highlights this year. You know, Parramatta, uh, Tigers getting beat on the bell by Titans, and this I'm just thinking. This this dysfunctional club, honestly, they're a joke. I don't, and uh, they just make it so easy for me, man. I get on Twitter and I just can't stop laughing. So, hashtag and, uh, and then the reports coming out this week that the intended uh, startup rugby league team in New York might be headlined by a certain uh, Benjamin Marshall. 
Uh, so, but there you are, Ben. Uh, you take the your best attacking weapon out of your team, and you can only put on one try. Uh, you know, <laughs> two and two makes five. Uh, mm. Then on to uh, so we had the uh, COVID scare with the Bulldogs fixture. Uh, Aiden Tolman sat out uh, after notifying the club on Saturday that the teacher at his uh, daughter's school tested positive. Uh, he's since returned a negative test and so have all of his teammates, but Tolman has to go into a mandatory 14-day isolation, which will see him, him miss that game on uh, Monday night and will miss the next two rounds, um, from what I understand. Uh, but uh, Channel 9 and Fox are changing the slate and putting Dragons v Sharks first. Uh, Dragons' uh, first try in 86 days, I want to say it was, if I'm remembering that, the stat that, correctly. That was very, very close. If, it's not, if not exactly on, it was right in that 80-something day window. So, yeah. And Dragons running out the victors, a 30 to the Sharks, 16. Uh, Sharks looking, you know, a bit dysfunctional there. Um, You know, there's a couple the axe, of... Axe hovering over old Johnny Morris's head. They're talking about Eddie Jones. Old yeah, man, I, th- I think Eddie. it's a bit early on poor John Morris. He's inherited a club which has got a lot of issues. Yeah, and uh, with aging, the old heads. aging roster, salary cap issues, all the legacy, the legacy, multiple legacies of Flanagan's cheating, whether it was cap or drug related. Um, so he's been an absolute pickle. Um, I don't know if the Dragons were good, honestly speaking. I think the Sharks were just dreadful when it came to the actual game itself. So they got their breakthrough win there, St. George, but I don't know if they've exactly laid a platform to go ahead forwards with. But well, yeah. they had there was one good set play I thought where um Cam McInnes really dug into the line back to Corey, then he got it off to Dufty. It was a bit slow, but you know, if they can sort of work on those combinations, they've just got I think uh, you are right to an extent, but stick. at the same time, Matt Dufty was looking like James Desco out there because of the, the Sharks kick chase and defense. Very true. <laughs> so I don't know where to read the tea leaves for that game. But you know, credit to the the Dragons for hanging in there because they could have easily folded in that game and it gets them off the off the bottom of the ladder, as it were, because the Gold Coast Titans have an absolutely atrocious for and against. And then on to the revised uh, Monday night game. So we had five nights of football. Bulldog six, Roosters forty two, uh, in what was a bath. Yeah. The the Roosters won this game in the first twenty minutes or thereabouts. They just blew the, the barn doors off the dogs. And after that, funnily enough, they actually looked a little bit vulnerable. I don't know how much they were just pulling their punches and, and keeping guys fresh, but they played a lot of sloppy football and gave the dogs opportunities to attack, but the dogs just were not good enough to capitalize. There was a few times there where Foran um, got on the outside and threw the long ball to the wingers there. Actually, they had a bit of success on the both sides. Yeah, Aver- Averill had a few good touches in the back end of the game too. So, I mean, yeah, once again, um, it's hard to to read into the game as far, as much as the Roosters were you know, resting guys because they pulled off guys early in that game uh, with an eye towards our game. Obviously, I think uh, Boyd Cordner and a couple of other guys came off with you know 15 or so minutes left and they gave... Yeah, I'm um, not too sure how much the Roosters' defence will rush up against us, but they're really up and in on the Bulldogs' halves. And um, and they, they were really punishing... They were really punishing in, in attack... Um, the dogs for not coming across as a as a cohesive line. They had a lot of inside plays that really picked them apart. So I don't know if that was a exclusive to Canterbury or if they're going to try and execute something similar against us. But uh, I haven't seen a game like that where so many tries were scored and no, there was no contact being made. Like yeah, you saw those was overlapping, pretty, it was just catching past. Yeah, it's it like, pretty bad. Well, they call those witches hats. You know, cones. It's just it's just train, ridiculous. Train and run there for him. Yeah. Well, you know for sure um, this week. You know, I know we're going to do a review, but or not review preview. But Wonga Blake and um, Jenko are going to come in and smash them, so you know they're not going to. There's going to be plenty of contact this week. 
All right, well, talking of previews, nice segue there, Birdie. Birdie. Uh, let's get into it. All about the that's, why, that's why I'm here. We are sponsored yeah, by Segway. Uh, so, Roosters in sixth position, taking on the Eels in first position. Uh, Roosters coming in at $1.45 favourites to the Eels, two seventy five outsiders, taking place at Bankwest Stadium, Roosters being the home team. Uh, at 7.35pm on Saturday the 20th of June, you can catch the action on K. Foxtel Live Pass or whatever local radio station provider you're listening to. So team list, Roosters run out with James Tedesco at fullback on the wings, Daniel Tupo, Brett Morris. In the centres, Josh Morris, Joseph Manu. In the halves, Luke Keary and Kyle Flanagan. Props are Jared Waria Hargreaves and Suasaya Takioho. And then captain and hooker is Jake Friend. In the second row, Boyd Cordner, Angus Crichton, who... Uh, Remains in the game after taking an early guilty plea uh, for, was it high contact, I want to say, against Bulldogs? I believe so, yeah. 75 and, points with the early guilty plea you got. And Victor Radley at lock. Then the interchange is Sam Verrills, Isaac Liu, Nat Butcher, Lindsay Collins, extended bench, uh, Tupanua, Orbison, Ryan Hall, and Lachlan Lamb. Then for the Eels at fullback, Clinton Gutherson and captain. Uh, on the wings, make a Sevo, Blake Ferguson, centres, Michael Jennings, Wonga Blake. In the halves, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses. Forwards, Regan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Paulo. Reed Marnie at hooker. Sean Lane, Ryan Madison in the second row and Nathan Brown locking it out. Then the interchange is Ray Stone, Rana Neacore. Oregon Kafusi comes in for Kane Evans, who misses a week for that uh, suspected chicken wing um, against the Panthers. And Penny Terrapo also on the interchange. Extended bench, Brad Takarangi, David Gower, George Jennings, and Jai Field. Coaches, Brad Arthur, Trent Robertson for the Roosters. Match officials, Ben Cummins, main referee. David Munro is the touch judge. And then Ziggy, we've, Ziggy. we're missing half of your name because your, your, your <laughs> face shot. takes over the second that. half of his name <laughs> on Ziggy's NRL.com. <laughs> and Ben Galea and Stephen Chitty in the uh, match review box. Uh, so both teams running out. Full strength, but for Kane Evans, who won't get to have a game against his old club. Uh, so, how do we see it, gents? Um, I uh, okay. I'm gonna be legit. I think we were gonna win 22 to 18. It's gonna be our toughest um, test thus far. But um, we just gotta do what we gotta do each week. Just you know, slow down, um, nullify their forwards. You know, Jared Warrior, Hargreaves, and Takio. Um, just stop, stop the offloads, and you know, like I'm confident we can stop Teddy because. Um, besides Moses and Dylan Brown, we have a big outside back. So, like, and Dylan Brown, as as Ham said um, earlier, he's like one of the best defenders. So, you know, I, I just if it's one on one between him and Moses, we might be a bit worried. But other than that, I'm I feel confident this week we can actually stop them. You know, um, you know, our, our wingers can. As I said, we have got big outside backs, so we're not going to be targeted. But uh, other than that, I just think Junior might um might you know cause some havoc amongst them you know with the second phase football and Nathan Brown as well he always likes to play a good game against the roosters so yeah i think 22-18 first try i'm going with uh, Dylan Brown yeah it's going to be a good game i reckon we'll lead the whole way wow i like it <laughs> he's bold i'm not sure like, if i'm as confident as that i respect it though you know big brash <laughs> and bold prediction i you know you look at the roosters and i think a lot of their strengths are our strengths and it just got you know obviously Tedesco is probably the best player in the game at the moment um, their outside backs are either big or, you know, athletically gifted like uh, Brett Morris is. So that sort of nullifies our advantage in the air there that we um, usually have on other teams. And, you know, it's going to be a really tough game. I just – the one thing I hope is that we don't 
let the occasion get to a sort of thing. I know it's only round six and it's a normal NRL game, but it is a big occasion. We're five five and zero. Oh. Um, we're going up against the back to back premiers. It's a it is a big game, and uh, uh, I think we have to play it like we like we did against Manly, where um, you know whilst we still look to promote the ball in that sort of opening twenty to thirty minutes, we just really focus on possession. Um, completing our sets, getting up around 90% there um, and sort of force their hand making interchanges earlier than we do because I think the longer that we can keep Junior, RCG and Nathan Brown on the field, it'll go towards helping us um, dominate between that 30 to 40-minute period where we might be able to catch um, using their bench there. So, you know, if we can if we can get possession and position early, um, it'll be a close game, but you just, with the class of the Roosters and, um, they're forever salary cap. Uh, they're just a quality team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really hard game. And 40. Yeah, we've knocked off the Roosters every now and then historically in um, you know recent years, uh, sort of through the Jared Hayne era and whatnot. But I think there's been two patterns in our defeats against them. There's been one where we've absolutely played ourselves out of games in the first 10 minutes and just gifted them possession and then they've just gone on for it and scored try, bang, 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 and we've just been out of the game within the first 10, 15 minutes. And the other one is what we saw last year where we hung around for three quarters of the game, looked really good, and then when the the pedal went to the medal in that last last quarter play, those championship minutes, we just couldn't hang with them. And that you know was the hallmark of the premiership calibre teams that the Roosters filled in recent years. So um, I'm looking for you know a game that's going to be real tough. I don't think we can – I mean, us smashing them would be fantastic, but that just seems like a, a fantasy. They're just too good a team, too composed. They're, they're too experienced. You know, they've, they've seen everything they need to see in order to win the big games. So we need to be combative through the middle. Uh, we're going to need everything we can get from our starting rotation. Um, I think we can win our starting rotation head-to-head, but it's it's whether we can maintain the rage with the bench forwards. Losing Kane is a huge out in that regard, but I'm hoping that Oregon, Penny, and Murata can combine to you know keep the pressure going on for that second period. Um, Teddy's going to get his. He's too good a player not to. It's a matter of how much we can blunten his impact and, and limit his ability to take over the game. Um, I think that the Roosters just have their systems for him – they just give him so many great looks, and he's just too good a player to um, completely take out of the game. Um, although Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown do have the kicking game to restrict his impact on the kick return at the very least. Well, that's the thing. Sorry to butt in there. And I know that's you didn't right. butt into mine, but I'm going to be a bit rude here. That's all right. Like, we nullified Tom Travoyish really well by either kicking early and kicking low or kicking on the last and then kicking to the wingers high. That was, that was our game plan, whereas the Roosters here, their back three is, you know, as good as ours, you know, it's very much even in that regard. So you can't really kick to win this game. Like, no, you you kick to limit the impact, but you, like you said, you can't yeah. you can't rely on the kicking game to carry you to the victory. It's, it's going to be one of the important things to limit impact. But even so, they're going to get theirs. Um, I think that it's really hard for me to isolate a positional group that's going to be important beyond the middle forwards because the roost is just quality across the park. If I had to say one. Um, I mean, obviously the halves are a, a, a gimme there, but beyond that, I think it might be the wingers. I think that they really need the kickstart sets with big carries. We can't afford the the error of that maker or Fergo of being good for in recent times, and we need them to be able to finish the limited opportunities they're going to get. Um, aside from that, I think the bench is the other crucial part as far as, far as keeping us in the contest. Um, this is a game that I feel like it could be a loss, um, but 
it's a game that you can also have a good loss in. I know it sounds a little bit pathetic to say that, but this is very much it's the loss we needed to have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I hate using that sort of rhetoric because it's it sounds like loser rhetoric, but the Roosters are just that good. Um, a win here would be huge. Um, so yeah, I'll save my tip for later. But I, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I don't know what the make of this game. It's going to be an absolute cracker, I think. Hopefully, fuck it. We've lost plenty over the years. I'm sick of losing. <laughs> Seriously, man. No, well, last year when we versed them only once. We'd score, and then we'd make an error off to kick off. So we just made it yeah, easy. That's right. So all we're going to do is- 18, 16 at the 60th minute. So we are leading with the last quarter of play, and then they just put the put the gas on and tries to uh, Radley, uh, Cordner, and I believe Tedesco just took the game away from us, and they ended up winning 32 Ended up 32-18. Yeah. And then the time before that, 44-10, to 10, which was a blowout in uh, 2018, but a year that we were awful. Pretty awful um, in Historically. Uh, 34 played since 98 in the modern era, as it's put. 21 to Roosters, 12 to yeah. the Eels, one drawn, which sort of sure feels that way. Doesn't relays it? that the, the Roosters have been a very successful team for the last two decades, where us not so much. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we. It's going to you know compared to last year's game, we have the experience now. We have a bit more. We have a bit more talent, and the talent runs a bit deeper there. Mm-hmm. So you know, whilst you can look back at last year's game. I don't think it can be too much. I think the bl- it shows that. it shows in the blueprint that we can compete with the Roosters, and that was an inferior squad last year too. So uh, I don't think the Roosters are stronger this year than they were last year. They're still outstanding. They haven't gone anywhere. So I think this this team can absolutely take this Roosters, you know, to the final bell. The question is, do they have the knockout punch? Also, I think last year that was the last game Brown played before he was injured for his back. So yes, that's that's yeah. Correct. So you know, another year in, I reckon Brown. The, I reckon- I'm just confident. The wild, the wild card that looms over this game is that this evening the NRL issued a mandate and that the ruck interpretation is going to be adjusted moving forwards as far as how they're going to operate on offsides, on professional fouls, and uh, what was the, the third key indicator? Uh, offsides, professional fouls, and um, I'm not sure. I missed I miss the last one, but they're going to be much more trigger-happy on the sin bin for more mundane penalties. Um, both the Parramatta Eels and the Sydney Roosters have been very aggressive in defence this year, um, and both teams have no doubt been preying on the the one ref system as far as taking an advantage to use it, you know, line speed and get up and meet the ball carry at the advantage line. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out um, as far as the whistle's concerned. Sam, he's gone again. Uh, he didn't post anything, but well, I suppose I suppose so. Well, we'll get to his prediction in a second. Bertie, what was your prediction? Sorry, sorry I, was, I was just uh, – sorry, I accidentally hit the mute button. <laughs> 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 I've, I've just uh, looked back to the team list last year at the corresponding fixture, which was in round three, so I don't know if we can read too much between the two of them. Uh, but Ikevalu was on the wing for that one, which we had a fair bit of joy against we Mitch did, Orbison yeah. in the centres. Latrell Mitchell was running out 5-8 for the Roosters. Uh, they had Isaac Liu, uh, who was their lock at that point, and Victor Radley off the bench. Uh, they also had Zane Tedavano now at uh, Penrith and For Marcelli, uh, who I understand. I, I don't know if he's still there or not. And Lachlan Lamb on the To the Warriors, correct. And he's been absolutely carving it up there. Uh, for the Eels, we had Jamin Salmon and Tim Manor on the bench. Uh, we had Penny Terrapo at starting lock. Oh, Because uh, remember, Nathan Brown Beagle. did his injury, of course. Yeah, that's right. And Daniel Alvaro starting prop, which is a bit uh, different. And, of course, we had uh, Brad Takarangi at centre rather than um, our current Wonga Blake. That's right. So different, different squads, uh, certainly from last year and again being earlier in the season. And and here you are down match officials, two referees. Uh, what a blast from the past. 
And funnily enough, we had the same video referee, Ben Galea, who will be uh, again taking the, the video ref's box. I think that for me, the big thing for this game is, you know, as Rick Foyer put it so succinctly once, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And oh, I you, thought you were just going to go, woo! <laughs> but um, the, the road to the premiership runs through the Sydney Roosters. At some point in the finals, you know, barring an insane result on the other side of the draw, you're going to have to take on the Roosters. And, you know, it, the road to the finals really starts here for Parramatta. The, the five wins before have set them up for a huge tilt at the postseason in the top four or better. And now they get to find the first chance because there's going to be more later on in the year, but the first real chance to gauge where they're at, if they're ready to climb to the summit, if they're ready to dethrone the king. So it's going to be awesome. Great. And, and just one other point, uh, the two losses that the Roosters have had this season, one to Penrith and one to Manly, uh, who we which uh, beat in the corresponding uh, fixtures. I was pre-COVID. No, I understand that. Still, it was in 2020. Yeah, true. <laughs> Um, all right, well, I think that, if Bertie, sorry, you, you were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say, um, you know, one thing that's going to be annoying, or hopefully it's not, whenever the Roosters scored on the weekend, they had that stupid Rooster sound. <laughs> it's annoying. Oh, seriously, man. It's going to be played so too because it's their home game at Bankwest. Uh, yeah, so, like, it's just hopefully you, we don't have to hear that. But other than that, yeah, go Eels. Okay, so... I um, my uh, tip the score and try scoring. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Ham. Um, Parramatta 8. Roosters six. Whoa, forty. Um. Well, wait. First try scorer. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Moses. He'll score all eight points for us. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. Gosh. Okay. Hart says Parramatta. It always does. It never. It never says you know go somewhere else. So Parramatta twenty. Roosters sixteen. First try scorer. First try scorer. I got to back. I got to get the, give the guy his mojo back. We're going Blake Ferguson. He needs to get over his old club. Um, so go Blake Ferguson first try score at Parramatta twenty six to sixteen winners. Right. Well, I've got low scoring again. Fergod being first try score. If I ride him every week, it's going to pay it's off. It's going to pay off. That's <laughs> and Eels thirteen twelve victors. It's going to be a close affair. Um, and Mitch Moses not muffing the the field goal this week. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that wraps it up there. Uh, I, other sports coming back. PGA was on the, the weekend. Is that uh, a sport? Mate, golf is a sport. It's, a whole, it's like AFL. <laughs> well, Birdie, Birdie, you were enjoying yeah, AFL you, on the weekend, you, you although uh, Sydney Swans didn't go too well. Yeah, it's fucking shit. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Premier League is back this year. This week, so... Speaking of your teams, Cowboys, Coronavirus, Zeke Boy, what's going on? Oh, and you know what's even... Oh, yeah... Well, actually, a lot of Texas players have got it as well. Yeah, it's all and, the, um, and, the, the... And also, Spurs had a friendly couple of days ago, and two players from the opposition had coronavirus. Oh, God. And it's just like... So every one of my team is getting coronavirus, so expect no pod next week because Power will get coronavirus oh, or something. Get the boys know? in the bubble. Get the boys in the bubble. <laughs> all right, and I don't think there's anything else. I, I started to watch uh, the... The uh, Michael Jordan docker. So I oh, look forward good, to good watch. Enjoy that. Yeah, yeah that's. I, yeah, I, know that I people, wanted to just uh, smash it all in one go rather than uh, wait for weekly releases. People took umbrage of it as Jordan propaganda, but it is an, a fascinating watch. Even if it does have a bias of you know Jordan's lens in, into it. Um, yeah, one of the most dominant teams and one of the greatest athletes of all time. Okay. All right. Well, we'll wrap up the Power Podcast there for this week. Uh, hopefully, again, uh, we will be the ones crowing on uh, Saturday night. Uh, but a good gauge this week and next week to see where we're at in terms of the last year's uh, grand final uh, grand finalists. 
Um, and uh, hopefully we can get the biggies at least in one of those fixtures. Uh, if I think if we come through the next two games with one win to our name, uh, we should be feeling pretty good about ourselves. Love yeah, yeah. Bickies. Sorry, I missed that, Ham. I just said love me some biggies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, scotch fingers? We some um, bitches. Yes. Oh, Monte Carlos. Yes. Uh, no, uh, 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 what's, what's the lemon ones? Oh, yeah, what, I'm not. Years old? Yeah, I'm not big on that. It's pretty. Much, it's pretty unpatriotic to mention Bickies and not talk about the Ice Vovo guys. Come on. Uh, true. You don't have to like it. You just got to talk about. I love it. Me so guys, let's be honest. Sports. The best one is Tim Tams. If Tim Tams, mm, buddy, my boy. A, it's not a Bickie. It's a chocolate. But it's got biscuit. And ice right, let's end the pod now. Let's yeah. end the pod now. Well, right. Let's not. Let's not get into this. This isn't a palmy. Uh, Palmer. <laughs> Palmer, the sort of debate here. Oh. I'll catch you, boys. Yeah, look, what week, happened, eh? look what happened to Cameron King when he disagreed. <laughs> I'm just saying, all I'm saying is uh, it's quite a palm, all right? Yeah, we won't punch you in the face. We'll make yourself punch yourself in the face. <laughs> yeah, make you go to, all the way to England or something, second division, mate. <laughs> I feel it's done. The Parramatta uh, podcast. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it there for the boys and uh, wrap it there for the week, boys, rather. And uh, we'll catch you on the next edition of the Parrot Podcast. Cheers. Catch you later. Cheers, Go to the Eagles.